Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me today in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and oh yeah, that sometimes messy thing that we call life. This podcast, it's brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com. All right, Boca Podcast listeners, we are back for yet another episode. And I'm here with, um, I'll say new friends because we're literally just getting to know each other. Jesse and Mora from J. LaPlante Photo, LaPlante Photo, I should say, pronounce it correctly here. Thank you all so much for making time for the Boca Podcast today. Of course. Yeah, thanks, thanks so much for having, having us. us. We've been looking forward to this. Well, and you know what? I, we have, I, I sent you an outline of questions ahead of time just to kind of look over. So you had an idea of the direction of the conversation, but I'm going to totally skip that here at the outset okay. because oh, I was, yeah. I was on good. your, <laughs> I was on your website and Maura, your, your kind of about us or about me section in particular caught my attention. I, I had to kind of laugh internally. You said my goal when I set out to write this was to refrain from using any <laughs> photographer bio cliches such as I believe or my passion is. Please explain that. <laughs> yes. So that's uh, a couple of years ago when we we did a major rebrand, we redesigned the website um, and we kind of were thinking more about what our brand is and what we want to communicate to people. And a big part of that is uh, that we really wanted to set ourselves apart from everyone else. And I do look at other wedding photographer uh, websites yeah. to get an idea of what's out there. Just I, I call it market research just to find out what's going on. And I have to say the sheer number of websites that I went to that's had the about me start out with, I believe in or my passion is, and it just got so repetitive. Not that there's anything wrong with that, mind you. <laughs> if it works for you, that's great. I'll play hardball here, though, for a second. So let's sure. just say, I mean, repetition is a problem. And and by the way, I love that you started with this idea of market research. Instead of it, it just simply, I'm you know out there constantly perusing everybody else's work for the sake of comparison or otherwise, you're, you're developing enough awareness. We were literally just talking about this in a conversation I was having with a photographer yesterday for the podcast developing a certain level of awareness, but not going to the point of obsession, right? So market research, I love how you phrase that. But you you see that this is a, a tendency that photographers have to kind of say the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. But I'm also curious, uh, just to kind of further play devil's advocate, do you think that clients or potential clients actually care what our passion is or what we believe in? That's a really good question. Um, I think in our experience, at least, what potential clients care about is who you are as a person. So when you're writing, you're about me. And this is one of the things that we went about doing. And I will be the first to admit, writing, you're about me is very, very tough. Uh, the way that Jesse and I did it was we both, we separately wrote bullet points that we felt kind of explained who we were as people. Okay. And then we swapped them. And then we we picked for each other, like which ones kind of fit there. And then we came back and we made sure that they kind of meshed well. But our goal was we want to show our clients that we're fun people to hang out with because yeah. they are going to be spending all day with us on the wedding day. And we are going to be really close and really personal. So you have to already start building that trust from the very beginning. That's interesting. Okay. So, I, and, and maybe this is just coming from personal um, preference or just thoughts that I've had, but it seems like we've in the photo industry and in some ways, and this is, I guess, kind of forward or blunt, but we've become so egocentric at times that we lose sight of what clients actually want. 
mm-hmm. um, and instead are doing things that we enjoy that other photographers think are cool or just we see other photographers doing and so we copy them. And I think it's good to just be honest with ourselves and ask questions about what our clients actually want. And mm-hmm. in addition sure. to that, that the distinction that you're making, I think is a really, really great point. Again, I have to reiterate it. The distinction that you're making between your brand and other brands around you, whether locally or nationally or internationally for that matter. I mean, I was just commenting to a, I guess we can call him a business partner uh, about a sister company and, and saying, you know what? I mean, the internet as it is, like we're, there's, there's no longer really any boundaries. So our competition is, is massive. How do we actually stand out amongst the so-called competition or those other photographers. And that's actually largely what we're going to be talking about today for the podcast. But I love that you developed a certain level of awareness and then created the the bio or the about us section accordingly. And you did, you created something a little bit different. And the, the points of conversation here are quite interesting. So now I have to jump over to Jesse. Um, Jesse, the, the last point that you make, you said, Maura and I have been together for over 10 years and not a day goes by that I don't wonder just what in the hell she sees in me. Um, <laughs> I, I love the, the graciousness and the humility there. And um, I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about, because Maura actually comments in her section about how you guys met. Just talk briefly about how you met. I, I want to hear about this. Yeah. So I've always been a big believer that a little bit of self-deprecation goes a long way. Okay. But yeah, we've met in the Bahamas <laughs> on spring break. Awesome. Uh, our senior year of college. Okay. And it was at a bar at an all-inclusive resort. Mm-hmm. And uh, as she tells it, I offered to buy her a drink. It was ridiculous. <laughs> at an all-inclusive resort. I thought uh, it was hilarious. I don't remember it that way, although it was all-inclusive. So we had been imbibing since the wee hours of the morning. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, we, I, we probably have differing accounts. And all of our friends that were with us yeah. uh, all seemed to have differing accounts of exactly how it went down too. I think everybody kind of wanted, wants to take the credit <laughs> for uh, setting us up. That's brilliant. Okay, so, but I'm curious, what was the first thing that drew you to Mora? Oh, I can't say that. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a lie of some sort. Uh, her brilliant smile. And, My wit. Uh, yeah. Fair her, enough. Uh, her, her witty sense of humor. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the conversation already. I'm certainly enjoying your personalities. And we're going to actually kind of scoot just a little bit more in the, in the direction of business. Um, sure. Just to kind of uh, break the fourth wall here for our listeners. And, and some of you who listen regularly probably have heard me allude to this already. But I usually send our guests an outline ahead of time. And this is not so that we can kind of robotically repeat the same thing over and over again. I've actually gotten feedback from our listeners about whether or not they enjoy this kind of repetitive format where we start off the first part of the podcast and and ask similar questions and then go to a particular topic for the day. And, and listeners have commented on how they enjoy hearing the, the same questions asked, but different perspectives from the different guests coming on. So I send this outline ahead of time so you kind of get an idea of the direction we're going. But I want to encourage you both, uh, just getting to know your personalities a little bit, I think we could have some really fun conversation. Don't, don't be afraid to kind of follow a rabbit trail or two as we go along. Okay. Uh, but good. we normally actually start the podcast with something that we call a technique for time. And, and there are two reasons we do this. One, if somebody has five minutes to listen in, I want them to walk away with something of value still. But the other thing is the podcast, the book of podcast, and ultimately photographers edit as a brand is so much about time, saving photographers time. So I'm curious, is there something that you two do or one of the two of you do that is helping you save time on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis in your workflow so that you can do more than just work? Uh, so full disclosure, I'd say we're probably the worst people to ask this question. Of, uh, <laughs> That's fair. We, <laughs> we really tend to struggle with work-life balance, I think. 
but a couple of years ago, we did come up with this idea that we call Mental Health Monday, hmm. uh, where every Monday we force ourselves ourselves for a few hours to go just kind of do something fun, like uh, check out a new brewery or go skiing or go to a movie or a museum or something like that. Uh, and we turn off our phones. Uh, we draw a hard line in the sand that we're not going to talk about anything business, business related during uh, these few hours. We're just going to kind of uh, enjoy the moment and recharge. And uh, I think it, it's been it's been helpful for us because we, we really just had to, we got to the point where we were like, okay, we have to, no matter how much stuff we have to do today on our to-do list, yeah. uh, we just have to simply force ourselves to turn it all off mm-hmm. uh, for at least a specific amount of time so we can just kind of, you know, recharge. And Mara, I'd love to hear your perspective on this too, but one of the first things that comes to mind is, you know, photographers in many cases, and you can probably relate to this, you're even alluding to it, the idea that you you kind of turn things off for the day, there is a sense of FOMO, right? Like what if a client tries to reach me or a potential client tries to reach me and I miss out on that opportunity? Did you go through that? And, and what was the conversation internally or externally that happened? Yeah, so that's a really interesting question because I think what we've learned is we get the most leads whenever our phones are turned off. When you turn them back on, that's inevitably when we have like four or five emails in our inbox. I think, and it's tough for both of us, Hmm. uh, Jesse, if you don't mind me speaking on your behalf, because we are very involved in the business. Uh, You know, like Jesse said, that there's always something on the to-do list. And I think left to our own devices, we would just work and work and work and work. So we really had to get very comfortable with the idea of just turning off and checking out and understanding that the world is not going to come crashing down around us if we turn our phones off for, you know, four to five hours. You know, it's interesting that you say this, and I don't know, I, I think maybe as human beings, most of us anyway, have a tendency of, of enjoying reading into things and, and assigning meaning to them, especially when it feels good, right? So there's this sense of um, not even karma here, but like the universe at work in some way that like we actually make the effort to set time aside for ourselves, for the important relationships in our lives. And there is benefit kind of on multiple levels that comes from it. I've noticed this even in the last, I'll say six months or so anyway, uh, with photographers that in particular, where I've really thrown down and put a lot of time and effort and energy into the company, and we're seeing this wonderful growth. But at the same time, when I just kind of let go a little bit, things mm-hmm. seem to not only go well, but even improve. And there's a certain I mean, it's not scientific by any means, but but there's just an there's an interesting correlation there, I guess you could say, between this idea of of letting go, especially if we've made the effort, we put the time and energy into developing a system or systems ahead of time that help us manage our business, that it's okay to turn things off a bit. And sometimes when you let go, the best things in the world happen. Um, And I I think that's a really great reminder for our listeners. Absolutely. No, I I completely agree. And I, I think that that was instrumental in us being able to accept that turning our phones off would be okay, because it you know, nowadays it's like if leads are drying up, it's like, well, maybe we should just turn our phones off for like four to five hours. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, I, I love the, the the thought process, the philosophy. Um, funny that you mentioned Monday because something that I did for the longest time with my kids when they were younger and weren't in school yet was something that we called Fun Monday. And so <laughs> computers got shut down. The expectation was mom and dad are not working today. We're going to go, you know, go out to a kid's museum or go downtown to the aquarium uh, go to the park or whatever it might be, but we're going to do stuff together. And 
of course, having kids creates a certain level of accountability uh, as well, which is really great. But Fun Monday was something that was was a tradition for quite some time. And so I love that, that you've made it Monday. Monday is kind of your Sunday or your Saturday. I think that's really great. Um, by the way, for those of you listening in, I, I want to go ahead and throw out uh, the website for both Jesse and Mara here is jlaplante.com. We'll link to this in the show notes. If you go to bokehpodcast.com, B-O-K-E-H podcast.com. And then we'll link to Instagram as well, j.laplante.photo. And uh, by the way, I have to ask you this, Jesse, and you probably get this question a bunch, but has anybody ever told you that you look like a young Michael J. Fox in that profile picture? Oh, Oh, man. I'm so glad you brought that up. (laughs) That is the first thing that Maura told me when we met in the Bahamas. Are you serious? Yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, yeah, my roommate and I both agreed. We're like, he looks like Michael J. Fox. Although I would argue that Michael J. Fox looks like a young Michael J. Fox, (laughs) (laughs) kind of a young-looking dude. That's Uh, true. Yeah, I I I look a lot younger than I am. I think, uh, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a lot of people have told me that. Yeah, that's great. First, okay. Well, so for those of you listening in, you're going to be even more curious. By the way, the photography on your Instagram account is stunning, and and we're here to talk about that in a little bit, but uh, you're now going to have to check this out for even more reasons than just the stunning photography. So that's, I think that's great. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you talked about Mondays and how that kind of has become your, your mental health Monday. Uh, is that, is there something innate to that particular day that has also helped you to be a bit more present and more focused and kind of deal with the, the noise that is living in 2019 America? I think it's just because initially we were going to do Sundays, which is usually the day after our weddings. Okay. Uh, but we realized that we were just too uh, mentally and physically and emotionally exhausted yep. uh, on Sundays to enjoy ourselves at all. So uh, Sunday, we're generally sort of sequester ourselves to separate rooms mm-hmm. uh, in the house. And, you know, maybe I'll do a little editing or something like that more. I'll do a little reading. Uh, but by Monday, we've recharged enough to the point where we feel like we have enough energy to really you know, focus on unplugging and uh, kind of get the most out of that experience. Okay. When I started in business at the time, uh, my my business partner and I were both parents or became parents. So we were we were dealing with marriage and parenthood and everything in between a business on top of that. And that can be a really tough go when, you, when you're running a business. And at the time, it was also kind of unique. You didn't hear about a lot of husband and wife wedding photographers or photographers just in general. Mm-hmm. You mentioned something interesting, Jesse, which is that on Sundays, you kind of go your, your separate ways. There's some independence there, some rest some recuperation. Um, I, this is certainly not a relationship podcast, but I'm really curious for those husband and wife teams or those who, who shoot with their significant others, what is, what is the importance, um, and I'd love to hear from you more as well, the importance of independence and having a little bit of your own space, especially when you work together all the time? Sure. Yeah. And that was actually when we were talking about our technique for time, it was a little bit of a toss up between Mental Health Monday and the fact that at least once a week, you know, Jesse will go, he's got a studio in Denver, he'll go work there, or I will go work at a coffee shop. And that way, the other person can just have the house quietly to themselves, you know, crank whatever music they want to listen to or, you know, put on whatever Netflix they want to watch. Um, And because, you know, we live together, we work together, we travel together, we spend so much time together. That means that our time apart is just as important as the time that we spend together. Because at the end of the day, we're two separate people still who have two very distinct personalities. And those two distinct personalities and, uh, you know, skills and, and knowledge and abilities that we have, I think are what 
makes our business very successful. So it's important that we, you know, nurture those and, and make sure that we maintain our individuality. I love that. You know, so I have, I have a couple of different perspectives on this. One, I come from a very conservative background, one that I no longer personally subscribe to, but the the mentality that was taught or the approach to marriage that was taught it can be summed up with the two shall become one, right? It's this idea that two people essentially become one. And you see that in some marriages or, or romantic relationships. And I think in many regards, it's it's quite unhealthy. It doesn't make room for the reality, is, which is that we are still two individual human beings. And that can be problematic. There's a book that I read a number of years ago that really shifted my perspective on romantic relationships called Mating in Captivity. This is a book by Esther Perel. She's also done a TED Talk around the topic. Actually, I think a a secondary one uh, around the book that she's more recently released. But it's a fascinating study in the significance of independence in relationships and how that can actually encourage the not only the the romantic but the ultimately the erotic connection right that that initial draw that you see when you're in a bar and you see that person from across the room for the first time like let's all be real as 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 nice and and kind of PC as we want to be about it a lot of that can be physical attraction but after some time together and like you were saying living and working together all the time that that tension that really great tension can be lost and so she talks about the significance of independence and its role in maintaining a certain level of, I'll borrow, I'll borrow your, your cliche word here, but passion mm-hmm. for the other person. It's a really, really fascinating read. I can't recommend it enough. A little bit outside the box. I'll put that out there. But I think it's, it's a really great perspective and an eye-opener when it comes to relationships. So I appreciate you opening up and sharing a little bit about that. I think it's a great perspective. Let's kind of move on because I'm curious. I mean, books. I, I own so many books. I've read so many books, largely around business and self-help. What is a, a an impactful book that either of you have read in the last year or maybe even more? Yeah. Uh, so in general, I don't read a ton of nonfiction. Most of my favorite books are novels. But I did read a book uh, recently by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers yeah. uh, that really opened my eyes up to a lot of things. It sort of takes a look at the role of privilege in successful people. Hmm. I feel like it's kind of human nature to attribute our successes to things like innate talent and uh, hard work, uh, but we tend to kind of gloss over the advantages that we've been infor- afforded in life, I think. So for example, there's a chapter in the book on Olympic athletes, where he talks about the fact that uh, a lot of these individuals come from affluent families, and they have access to all the best training facilities, and the best coaches. And reading this book just kind of got me thinking a lot about my own life, and uh, some of the advantages that I've been afforded along the way that I've had no control over, uh, but that have kind of led me to where I am today. And I think that this has sort of not only uh, helped me grow appreciation for the things that I have, but also kind of increased my uh, capacity for empathy uh, for other people, which I think is a, a really important trait, not only you know for a photographer, but as a human being as well. Yeah, that's that's huge. And I was actually going to ask you about that. Malcolm, I'm a huge fan of Malcolm Gladwell. He's got an incredible... Nice. A podcast as well. Have you heard his podcast? I love his podcast. <laughs> yeah. I haven't. I've read a few of his books, but I've uh, never heard the podcast. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about an alternative approach to engagement photography today. He has taken kind of an alternative uh, alternative route to discussing history and kind of okay. telling the other side of the story. And um, and and he's it's quite politically driven, at least at times. And so I was curious about the book. I own Outliers. I haven't. That's one of the, his books I haven't read yet. But I was curious if that that conversation about privilege was kind of politically driven, or if it was more an encouragement of what you're talking about, kind of the the empathy and appreciation for what you have. 
Probably, yeah, a little bit of both, but probably more the latter. Okay. Um, I think it just it, it kind of shifted my perspective on that whole subject uh, more from the humanity standpoint than a political one. Sure. Uh, but I think it, it kind of applies across the board. And I think as photographers, one, we have to connect with our subjects. We have to, uh, I should probably not call them subjects if I'm talking about <laughs> connecting with them. We have, to, <laughs> we have to connect with our human beings that we're photographed yeah. on a very intimate level. So I think kind of being able to just open up and listen uh, to other people's experiences, whether they've you know, especially if they've maybe been a little bit less fortunate than you. I think that helps a lot for a photographer. That's, that's a, yeah, I mean, the, the idea of empathy, if I were to define it myself, it, it, what comes to mind is this idea of feeling what the other person feels. And though we all know, like, realistically, we can't feel exactly what they're feeling, maybe even just feeling with them for a little bit. It's, it's really interesting how someone can open up and respond to you when you're willing to make it. It's not even that much of an effort at times to do that thing. Uh, but right. the way that they're able to open up to you in conversation and then potentially to the camera is really powerful. That's good. I, you mentioned fiction, though. You have to throw out at least one favorite author or even a favorite book. Ah, okay. Um, I like a lot of sci-fi. Yeah. Not sci-fi like spaceships and razor or uh, ray guns and stuff like that, but <laughs> okay. more like slightly alternative versions of our world. So some of my favorite authors would be Kurt Vonnegut, yes. uh, Ray Bradbury, uh-huh. Philip K. Dick. Uh, some of those guys. That's great. Do you have a favorite, like what's one of your favorite fiction novels that you've read? What comes to mind? Cause I want to link to one in the show notes too, for our, our readers or listeners rather who are curious. Yeah. I'm going to go with uh, the sirens of Titan by uh, Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, and, wow. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going to try to talk about it okay. specifically, but uh, yeah, now that, now that we're uh, bringing this up, I think I might, I might revisit that. That's cool. Okay. So we'll make sure to link to all of these books, the resources that I've talked about today that we've talked about today in the show notes. Again, bocapodcast.com. Maura, I have to ask you, what, what are you reading or what do you like to read or listen to? So uh, I could probably fill the rest of this podcast with my answer because <laughs> I'm a voracious reader. Okay. Um, I'll read just about anything in front of me, including cereal boxes. But I think the short answer is my favorite book is usually whatever I just finished. Um, I'm with Jesse. I read mostly fiction. I think it teaches compassion and empathy. It lets you take a peek into the minds of other people mm. and really understand their motivations. Yeah. So, you know, for the same reason, I've, I've read fiction since I was very, very little. And I think it's made me understand people much, much better. That said, I also just finished a nonfiction book. It's called One Perfect Day by Rebecca Mead. And hmm. it, I, I think it's a must read for anyone in the wedding industry. Okay, She does a deep dive into how the wedding industry kind of turned into the behemoth that it is today. And uh, talks a little bit about the history of these so-called wedding traditions, which you find out aren't really, you know, they, they were created maybe 40, 50 years ago. There's also a chapter in there about photography. And I will say I was a little nervous reading it. <laughs> I was going to find out that we are contributing to the bridezilla culture. Uh. But instead, I did try to approach it just uh, to use what I learned from the book to make sure that when running our business, we're not part of the problem. Oh, I love that. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. You know, the, the other thing you were talking about, the significance of reading fiction, I think it's, well, I, and maybe again, this is just me speaking for myself here, but as much as I enjoy learning from business books or self-help books, and it's important to actually learn from them. It's easy to read that kind of stuff and be like, oh, that was nice, and then move on and not really do anything with it. I think it's important to actually apply it. But um, it's good for me as somebody who tends to be kind of a like a, a structured, black and white, uptight individual to branch out and read fiction as well. 
Um, so I'm, I actually do that in the evenings now as a way to kind of shut down at least a few of the days of the week. Uh, I'll read a, a um, I'm actually in the middle of a fiction series right now called the, the Themis series. And um, it's, it is also science fiction um, and totally outside the box as far as what I would normally read. But it's good. And it's good to, it's good to use our imagination. That's what I was actually getting to as creatives, I think, to, to let the boundaries be, be pushed a little bit to use our imagination because that can actually translate to, to the work that we do. So sure, yeah, this is good conversation. I, I want to go ahead and get to your photography business, though, and, and first just learn maybe just how would you sum up the, um, the road to where you're at right now as professional photographers? What's the backstory? Yeah, so my parents are both artists, so I was exposed to uh, a lot of different mediums uh, from a very young age. A lot of their friends were artists and spent some time kind of traveling around the country to art fairs and music festivals and things like that. Wow. Um, So I always kind of knew that I would do something creative. Uh, I didn't know exactly what it would be. When I got to college, my major was uh, photojournalism. So when I graduated, my first job was a newspaper photographer. I worked for a few different newspapers. Um, and then when that industry kind of started to go on the decline, yeah. uh, I switched over to wedding photography. And that coincided with uh, Moore and I moving to Colorado together uh, in 2008. We started the wedding business. And uh, it's been about 12 years now. 11 Is our 12th season? 12th season, yeah. yeah. Do you, 12 years in, do do you ever feel tired of it or burnt out or do you have a, like a continued drive that's never ending? Is there, is it somewhere in between? I definitely get uh, burnt out being at weddings. (laughs) I think (laughs) I'm not like a, I don't love weddings, you know, I'm not that kind of guy, but uh, I really, really am excited about the photography Mm. uh, part of it. So I, I really kind of just focus on, you know, sort of developing new techniques uh, new lighting schemes, new compositions, things like that. And more sort of handles all of the um, customer service and, and business side of things. So it's sort of a, a good delineation uh, between our tasks. Oh, yeah. yeah and I, I think, Nathan, what you mentioned earlier about doing market research, I think when I get burned out, it's because I'm doing too much of that. I'm looking at too many websites. I'm looking at uh, you know, too many wedding photos. Uh, I'm researching too many wedding venues, and I just feel like every single thing in my life is all about weddings. And uh, you know, it's just I want to be a, well, a well-rounded person. I don't want to be just a wedding photographer. Yeah. So that's when I know I need to step away, usually from social media. Well, you know, one of the things that I enjoyed uh, doing more so in the past, I was actually just picking up one of these magazines recently, but. Um, w magazine in particular as a photographer i, I don't I hesitate to call myself an artist but certainly with a, a fascination um, with graphic design and having been involved in both areas with the various businesses that i've started over the years there is something uh, that was really nice to step away from particularly wedding photography and look at fashion photography for example and look at a different perspective than i was normally used to to seeing or even considering and I think it really is great for us to break things up and, and do that personally, professionally. It's so easy to get stuck in a rut, and that can translate to a, a rut of a relationship or a rut of a personal life or a rut of a business if we're not willing to break things up a little bit. So I, I think that's a really great reminder for us. But did you, Mara, did you have a, a background in art in any way? How did that all get started? No, not at all. Um, So I studied business in college. I actually majored in marketing and management of human resources. I thought I was going to be the CMO of a Fortune 500 company. And then I met Jesse in the Bahamas. And and I screwed everything up. (laughs) (laughs) It 
all went to hell from there. I don't know, man. With those kinds of plans, the fact that uh, you you managed to somehow convince her otherwise is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, I'm devious, I guess. (laughs) Well, I I think the part of it is that I realized that I would need to sell part of my soul to do what Mm. I was planning on doing in business. And when at the end of the day, I like to be able to sleep at night. And so, you know, and as I get older, my values and my priorities change. And really right now, just working for ourselves is the top priority. So luckily, Jesse taught me everything I know about photography, despite my best efforts, because I am very stubborn. (laughs) Um, And I did work a full time job up until about three years ago, when we just got a little too busy for it to be sustainable. Okay. And what like, can I ask what industry you were in when you were still working that full time job? (laughs) Everything. I used to come home from work and I'd tell Jesse a story about what I did for, for the day. And he'd just look at me with a confused look and go, what do you do for a living? <laughs> yeah, um, I still don't know. So I'm not sure she's going to be able to sum it up. In yeah. I mean, I really think I, I am kind of a Jane of all trades. Okay. I, I started out when we first moved to Colorado. I worked for a federally funded research and development center managing an internship program. So there was a lot of uh, program management there, project management, um, event management, that kind of thing. Hmm. And then from there, I went to work for an entrepreneur, which of course meant that I did basically everything. His joke was anytime I'd ask him a question, he'd be like, hold on, let me ask the IT department. And then he'd turn around and ask me. <laughs> right, right. So for that, I did some marketing. I did some commercial property management. I did. And he was also starting a new organization. So I helped him kind of develop that from the ground up. So, and Jesse, would you say that Mara is, is the structure of the business? Is, is that, I'm, I'm getting the sense that, that, that is maybe the case, but I could be reading it wrong. The whole thing would fall apart in <laughs> five minutes without her for sure. Yeah. I'm more like the, I guess. He's the creative genius, the creative talent. <laughs> uh, yeah. I didn't want to put it like that. But. <laughs> yeah. She basically does everything uh, that you need to do for a business. And I, I take pictures. <laughs> that's the long and short of it. <laughs> well, I mean, the chemistry seems pretty great. So I, I, I love that about you guys. But in this, in the last 12 years or so, your your experience as business owners, as photographers, how would you, if you had the opportunity in, in literally 10, 15 seconds to give a piece of advice from all that you've learned to a photographer, maybe even a new photographer, what would that piece of advice be? I would say um, find your niche, figure out what makes you unique. Uh, what separates you from other photographers. Hmm. Uh, Don't try to copy other people. I mean, there's going to be some of that, obviously, when you're first starting out and just dipping your toe in the water. But I think that finding your own unique voice is uh, the key to success in any creative profession. And so, again, just to play a little bit of devil's advocate here, because I'm curious, especially from an artist's perspective, what is the, how do you set yourself apart from thousands and thousands and thousands of photographers or would-be photographers, even just in the U.S. market and, of course, beyond, how do you actually set yourself apart and do something different when it seems like it's all been done almost? I mean, I look at your photography, and there's some of this stuff here that I've genuinely not seen before. It's stunning work, and we'll get to that. But how do you go about creating something that is actually different? Uh, that's a great question, man. You ask, mm-hmm. you ask great questions. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I don't know if I can sum it up simply. I think there's nothing new under the sun and everything is derivative to one degree or another. So it's not like we're completely reinventing the wheel or anything. No, that's honest. I like that. I think, well, if, if I can jump in, I do think that part of it too is just, you need to be genuine to who you are. So 
you know, whether that's doing some deep soul searching and figuring out who you are as a person, but you, you have to be genuine. You can't try to be something that you're not. Hmm. Um, I think it's in trying to be something that you're not, that that comes across to, you know, potential clients and it just, it turns people off. And I actually, I would say that if I copy anyone, it's like sort of like the old painters from back in the day. I was an art minor. Uh, so I draw a lot of inspiration from, uh, Painters like Caravaggio or uh, Salvador Dali, people like that, okay. who really played with light in their paintings. I mm. think we can sort of learn a lot of lessons from uh, from artists of other mediums and apply that to our photography. Or uh, just like watching movies. What's the one? That, uh, the uh, Darkest the Hour. The Darkest Hour. Yeah. Oh, so, so there's good. a lot of really cool. Really? Okay, I'm, I'm writing it down. Um, I could probably give you a list of like 500 movies uh-huh. that... I started really getting into movies when I was in high school, and that's kind of what has sort of sent me on this trajectory of like playing with light, uh, you know, on the wedding day or what we're talking about today during engagement sessions, as opposed to just kind of like going all natural light and stuff like that. So, okay. You said darkest hour. I'm actually, I'm literally, as we're, as we're talking here, I'm pulling that up here in IMDb and I'm going to add it to my watch list. Cause I'm actually, it's on my watch list. I just haven't seen it yet. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. Nice. The, yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. There's a the lot of, great. uh, acting's great. Yeah. But there's a lot of cool, uh, yeah. tenebrism, which is uh, like a hard beam of light sort of illuminating the subject against a, uh, much darker background. And, and what's and, that term again? Tenebrism. Tenebrism. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've never heard that. N-E-B-R-I-S-M. I asked the same Tenebrism. thing when he taught me about it. I was like, what is that? <laughs> that's my, uh, I have a treasure trove of useless knowledge from my, <laughs> my art minor. Oh, that's, that's really cool though, actually. And, and you mentioned movies and finding inspiration, particularly when it comes to light. That the first one that comes to mind for me is Pride and Prejudice, the I think 2005 version, Kira Knightley. It, it was a, it was kind of a drag of a movie, honestly, but the, the, cinematography was just stunning. Um, and, and as far as finding visual inspiration, that's one, there was another one that is, um, it's Ben Affleck and there are very few words actually spoken. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Well, well, he did tree of life and then he did the one with Affleck and then he did one with, uh, Christian Bale, Christian Bale. Night of Cups. Yeah, and they're like not necessarily great movies, but yeah. the photography is really cool, and the way that the camera moves through the scene, yes, and, and the way that they light things. Yeah, to and, to the wonder is actually what what this one. Yeah, this particular to the wonder, called. right? Yeah, right. And we'll often uh, reference directors like on a wedding day when we're either scouting or when we're with a couple for the portrait session, when we want to do a certain kind of photo. So Terrence Malley's yeah. one, Wes we'll Anderson. Like, this, is, this is our Wes Anderson <laughs> shot. I, didn't, I guess we're not unique at all, really. We're just stealing stuff from, <laughs> from movie makers. <laughs> well, but at least that you're, you're pulling from different directions because as we alluded to earlier, I mean, it's, there's a tendency in our industry to just kind of copy the, what's the, what the next person over is doing. And mm-hmm. so I, I like that you are pulling from different directions. Terrence Malick, I mean, I would encourage all of our listeners to check out his work. It's just, I, it, it, he just has, he actually has, speaking of a unique uh, take on a particular craft, he definitely has one. And his approach mm-hmm. to, to filming is, is just, it's fascinating to me. So I'm, I'm a huge yeah. fan. But Yeah, The Thin Red Line was incredibly impressive. Oh, man, yeah, absolutely. It's a World War II movie, but it's a Malick World War II movie, which is a whole other thing altogether. Um, it's like... I, there's nothing I can say here that's not going to sound pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's like it. it's like poetry in motion. 
Let's huh. put some quotes around that. And and that's interesting though, because yeah, and, and maybe I, I would even rephrase it as visual poetry in that he, sure. you leave, you don't have dialogue for much of, I mean, at least the movies that I've seen, good chunks of it. And, right. and so you're left to, to just soak in the visual experience, which is his, his cinematography, or at least his directing the cinematography. It's just, it's stunning. So uh, we'll make sure to link to a couple of the movies that we just mentioned in the show notes as well. For those who are curious, you're going to want to check that out. But this is really a good segue too into my next question, something that I'm a huge fan of discussing with our guests, which is brand position. And, you know, we've kind of gotten into this already, but what specifically would you say is your photography business's brand position? What sets you apart from the so-called competition that we were discussing? Yeah, so I know that we talked about, you know, certain photography cliches like my passion is or I believe in. um, But I'm going to go ahead and and it's going to sound cliched, so I will put that out there. Um, but we really always strive to take unique photos. Uh, the number one thing that couples who reach out to us mention is how different our photography is mm-hmm. compared to what they've seen elsewhere. And so that's really what we're going for. Part of this stems from the fact that we never replicate a photo, uh, whether it's ours or someone else's. I would say we, we do our best not to. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, yeah we, try, we try not to with every fiber of our being, but inevitably yeah. every now and then it would happen. Sure. Yeah, but... Even with our most requested photos, like photos that we do with the Milky Way, we'll still try to figure out something new to try out for each for each couple. And the great thing is that this always appeals to our ideal clients. When I tell them this on the first phone call, that we don't want them to go to their website and see their photo, but just with a different couple in it. We want them to look at their photos and know that they could only have been taken on their wedding day at their wedding location. I love that. And, and in fact, actually, on the homepage of your site, it says why you're here in big, bold letters, and it says you're here because you're looking for something different. You don't mm-hmm. want to sit through 90 minutes of posing newlywed portraits, and you don't need 50 shots of your dress hanging in the window. Your wedding is going to be a legendary party, and you want your photos to reflect that. And, you know, it's, it's, you pointed out that what you just described, um, offering unique photography might seem cliche, but I think there's a difference here or there is just simply a difference, a general difference between saying that you do something just because it sounds cute or it's the thing to say and right. saying something and actually following through. And yeah, I have to yeah. give you guys mad props because it, it looks <laughs> like you actually follow through. So to say something like that and actually follow through is a really, really big deal. And again, we'll, we'll link to both the website and Instagram and the show notes. For those listening in, you're going to want to go check this out. How do you, I mean, aside from the photographer or from the uh, website rather, and mm-hmm. maybe some conversations that you have with your clients, how do you effectively communicate this brand position to potential clients? Well, so aside from the, I mean, the website does do a big portion of it. Um, we, we rarely meet our couples in person before the wedding, but okay. we do also have, um, or I have phone calls with them throughout the planning process. So anytime somebody reaches out, uh, just interested in our photography, the first thing we do is set up a phone call because what I want there is I want to have a conversation with them. I want to get to know who they are and get to know, you know, what their wedding day is going to be like so that we know whether or not we would be a good fit. And if we're not a good fit, that's fine. Sure. You know, we'll help them find their other, you know, another photographer. But I'll tell you, when we redesigned this website, we agonized over all of the text, all of the photos, because we wanted to make sure that every single thing on that website showed that we were not your ordinary wedding photographers, Yeah. because we wanted to attract that client who appreciates the artwork that we do. Yeah, and we made a concerted effort to 
only show what we want to shoot. So we kind of stripped uh, out all these other photos that we thought, oh, these are nice photos, but we don't necessarily want to do any more of that. So now we kind of really pared it down to just the stuff that we are. So I don't want to use the word passionate. (laughs) (laughs) What is in that word? Yeah. Okay. No more using passion. No more passion. Um, (laughs) Stuff that we really, really like to do and the stuff that kind of gets us excited. And the nice thing is too, that the, that, we turn off most people out there, you know, mm. so most people are having weddings. They will look at our website and just be like, I don't know about this. This is weird. I don't, I don't get it. I don't like it. And you know, then that's fine. But our clients love our photos. And when I have these conversations with them and I start talking to them about ideas that we have for their photos on the wedding day or for their alt session, you know, they get really excited. And most of our clients will say, we don't even care what you do. We are down for anything. Just do something crazy like you did on your website. Yeah, we're sort of like a, a cult band, like Insane <laughs> Clown Posse or, or the Misfits or something. Yeah. Like Most people don't really aren't on the same uh, wavelength, but the people who uh, do like our stuff tend to really like it. I really get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. It makes it a really good match and it makes the wedding days and, and the engagement sessions really fun. Yeah. Huh. Well, you mentioned, uh, Mara, you mentioned alt session, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, this alternative portrait session or engagement session. And I actually was just going to jump to that, but I am curious because it's so relevant to the conversation. Some of our listeners may be really curious the type of gear that you're using to get this. I mean, it's just stunning imagery. I'm actually on the portfolio page on your website at the moment, and there is just such a wonderful wide variety of imagery and the use of light is, is so impressive. So major props to you guys for that as well. But thank talk, you very much. Oh, a hundred percent. Talk to us though about your about your gear bag. Do you have a favorite piece of equipment that you really just can't get enough of that you enjoy using a lot? Um, so I think that mine, my favorite gear would have to be the Magmod gear that we have. We switched over to it what, like three years ago. Yeah. And before that, I was hauling you know, giant soft boxes with yeah. huge batteries up mountains. And yeah. I'm not big, a, I'm not a studio lightheads. I'm not a big person. You know, I have tiny little like noodle arms. And so having <laughs> to carry this stuff and then hoist it in the air. And of course it's windy up there. So it acts like a sail and would blow me down the mountain. Yeah. And then once we, we got the, the mag mag modifiers, not the mag mods, um, it really, I hate, again, talk about cliche terms. I hate the term game changer, but for me it was, um, you know, it was so much, easier to move around and to, you know, I didn't have to worry about hauling this gigantic light around with me. Hmm. For me, it would probably be the, uh, on a similar note, just mm-hmm. kind of going lighter, uh, the Godox AD 200 yeah. light. Yeah. Um, because we, I used to use this big six pound studio light with a battery pack and a, you know, the whole, it, the whole thing weighed probably like 15 to 20 pounds. And this thing is like no bigger than a speed light, but it's three times more powerful and we do a lot of uh, shooting our portraits because of wedding timeline restrictions during the middle of the day when the sun is directly up in the sky. In Colorado, we get 300 days of sun a year. So we really need, you know, we need to travel quickly and lightly, but also kind of overpower the sun if, mm. we wanna light, if we wanna light stuff. Okay. And now we have one of these mag mod brackets where we can, you know, use two AD 200 mm. simultaneously for double the power. Uh, so that's really kind of sped us up and given us more time to get creative so that we're not mm-hmm. kind of, you know, fidgeting with all our gear on the middle of a shoot. Yeah. And I just shove all the mag modifiers into my pockets. And so that way, if he's like, you know, we need the beam here or we want the grid and the sphere here, or let's pop a gel on that, I can just pull them out of my pockets and it, it 
it works so easily and quickly. Yeah, I was going to mention that, that the efficiency and the mobility that comes with that gear is pretty incredible. And even the, the Godox, like you were mentioning, Jesse, the, the fact that it's really no bigger than a speed light and it costs all right. of 300 bucks on Amazon is, is pretty impressive <laughs> exactly. too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really, really great. Okay, I appreciate you sharing those and we'll link to those in the show notes as well for our listeners. Let's get to the alt session. It, we, how would you sum up an alt session for your brand? How, how do you, in fact, maybe more specifically, how do you communicate that to your clients? How do you sum it up? That's a great question. So when I talk to clients on on the phone and we tell them about what sort of offerings we have, I do always mention the alt session because it is oftentimes something that tips people over in our direction. Hmm. For us, an alt session is our answer to boring engagement photos. Uh, we just got tired of taking the same exact photos every single time just because people have certain expectations around what an engagement session is supposed to be. So instead of having a couple standing in a field at sunset and practicing the five cheesy poses that make them feel like they're at prom, we just did something different. Uh, we talk to them on the phone. We get to know them a little bit more. Uh, we find out if there's an activity that's important to them. You know, sometimes we'll just go to some crazy epic location and sometimes we'll do something like really outside of the box, like the holy powder. And we have, we keep a photo bucket list of shoots that we want to try. And it's almost always something from that that we end up doing for an alt session. Yeah. So some of the ones we've done will just kind of like go skiing with the couple mm -hmm. for the day. And most of the shots are candid, uh, but we will set up a portrait or two here and there. For the epic, epic location, we'll go somewhere that's just feels ethereal and otherworldly. Yeah. Sort of like the, uh, the Great Sand Dunes is one of my favorite places mm -hmm. on the planet. Uh, and we've been there a bunch of times just just for pleasure, but we finally got a chance to take a couple down there this year. So much fun. And hike all the way up to the top with them and make yeah. some really cool uh, that, shots. Yeah, that picture on the portfolio page, um, the couple is very, very small in the image on the dunes and backlit. Is, is that one of those? Yes. That is one. Yep. It yep. is absolutely yeah. stunning. Yeah. And, and again, for yeah. those of you listening, you're going to have to go check this out. And and the, the website very simply is jlaplante.com. And uh, you can check that out. But on your uh, on your homepage, under alt sessions, it says our engagement sessions are just a little bit different. Instead of standing in a field practicing awkward poses, we'll hang out and do something fun like skiing or shooting pool or grabbing a pint at your favorite brewery. We have a long list of cool ideas we'd love to try. But in the meantime, check out some recent favorites. And of course, you can click to, to see more pictures. But I, I love this. And, and actually, it looks like when I click on the alt session, that is the, the, the first picture that comes up is that couple on the sand dudes. It's just stunning yeah. the way that you're handling yeah. light. It, it, in fact, the way that you've... I don't know how much of it is lighting and how much of it is post-production. It almost looks like you shot it in a studio. That the, the way that the light has been managed there is just absolutely amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that's great to hear. It's a combination of both for sure. It's I tend to underexpose. Okay. All right. Well, I guess it's not underexposed. I expose for the highlights. Sure. Uh, and uh, you know, for that shoot in particular, having to hike all the way up to the top of the dunes is really difficult because you sink into the sand mm -hmm. as you're going up. So we needed to, you know, only have minimal equipment. Uh, back in the day when I shot with the, the studio lights, there's no way we could have brought lighting up there. So mm -hmm. I probably would have just gone all ambient and it wouldn't look anything like that. Right. Uh, but with these AD 200s, they're so small and light and portable. And I think on that one, we had the mag mod mag beam, which sort of amplifies the light and allows you to kind of under, underexpose, expose for those highlights and, uh, you know, have the power to incorporate your own light into the shots also, uh, to give it that kind of studio look on location. Wow. It's, it's truly impressive. And, and again, for those of you listening and make sure that you check out the, the page dedicated to the alt sessions and you can see this, but 
Um, I, I, we have just a little bit of time left, and I want to respect you all's time. Let's talk just briefly, first of all, what the engagement session actually looks like. Um, I want to get into some of the techniques that drive the unique work that you're creating, but what does the process look like for the couple? I mean, from the time that you're communicating what this is going to be, um, because I'm sure you have to kind of manage expectations proactively. This is not necessarily, I mean, it's certainly not what they probably saw on their friend's Facebook page. And um, they they don't, on top of that, of course, most, most clients or potential clients are not used to being in front of the camera much. So there's management expectations and then designing a session that actually reflects the personalities, the relationships, the history of the people being photographed, and then the actual process of capturing. So can you just kind of sum up what that looks like for our listeners? Sure. So the process really does begin with that very first phone call. Um, for all of our leads, even those that don't end up booking us, we talk about the alt session. So I'll explain what it is and give them some ideas to to kind of pique their interest. And um, I usually drop that, you know, we have this photo bucket list. And at that point, people really, really, really want to find out what's on it. But then after they book us, if they book an alt session, then we'll set up another phone call. And it sounds like a lot of phone calls and it is, but I prefer doing phone calls because I can have these deeper conversations with our clients and mm. really get to know them. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of the alt session is I want to find out who are they as people? Do they have an activity that they like doing together that's important to them? One of the alt sessions that we did, uh, we did it at an MMA gym because the couple actually owned the gym wow. and they both trained and taught mixed martial arts. And so they just invited us over and I think we ended up spending like four or five hours. Yeah, there. it was a long one. They week. showed us some Brazilian jiu-jitsu, some Muay Thai boxing. Wow. Um, yeah, and we kind of just took photos along the way. And then yeah. every now and then we'd kind of set up a, a portrait mm-hmm. of them kind of in their gear. And then they would start fighting again and we'd take action <laughs> shots. <laughs> yeah. So that was, you know, it's it's cool for us because we get to do something new every time. Yep. And it's also cool for the couple because it's a little bit more personal to them and mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of doing the same thing for every couple. Yeah. So in that phone call, we'll talk about, you know, what's their level of adventure? Are they willing to do, you know, jump out of an airplane or do they just, you know, want to maybe go see a Rockies game? How far are they willing to travel? Are they okay with extra fees? Because a lot of the places where we shoot are national parks and right. we the national parks and we want to pay those fees and we want to be good stewards of the national parks. So, you know, we're never going to just sneak in and, and try to do it guerrilla style. Um, all of that's very important. That's great. After that phone call, Jesse and I chat a little bit and we come up with two to three ideas and then we'll pitch it to them and just kind of describe them a little more fleshed out. But all of this also comes with a caveat that this is something we've never done before. So mm. it's going to be an adventure for all of us. And <laughs> I like that. I don't, I don't think we've ever had anyone complain about that. Hmm. They're usually just excited to do it as yeah. well. Going back to Kurt Vonnegut, he has a quote that goes something like, we must continually be jumping off cliffs and developing our wings on the way down. Yes. And I feel like that perfectly describes how we do these shoots. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's, it's risky, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, it doesn't feel as rote uh, because we're going to, into it fresh and kind of learning as we go. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that, though. I mean, I, in fact, I'm literally kind of getting goosebumps here as we're talking about this, because I, first of all, I am very much a subscriber to the idea of jumping and building your wings on the way down. I, I always, I mean, I've consistently recommended here on the podcast, particularly as of late anyway, that there is still some awareness, there's some planning, and it sounds like you all incorporate that as well. But at the end of the day, if you're going to do something different, you you just have to make the move. And mm-hmm. it's so easy to get stuck in our heads and not ever actually do anything about an idea. 
And as a result, I mean, it, you know, we, we miss out on the opportunity for a certain exhilaration and for, for additional creativity and providing, a, a, in this context, a finished product for our clients that's truly unique. Uh, so I love that mentality. And I love that, that you kind of create that expectation ahead of time that, hey, this is going to be adventure for everyone. And they're willing to go along with it, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. It also becomes a shared experience too, which, uh, wow. you know, and I'll be perfect. You, you mentioned, you know, being in front of the camera can be a little awkward and uncomfortable. A lot of these include alcoholic beverages. So <laughs> like to just get to know each other. So after all of the planning, when we show up, you know, much of the focus is on getting to know each other and hanging out and also taking photos. It's not like we're going to stick you in front of the camera and we're going to put the camera in your face and you're going to be in a crowded place. It's like we're going to hike halfway up the sand dune and then we'll maybe pause and take some photos there and we'll chat the whole way and we'll get to know them. Yeah, and it builds a lot of trust for the wedding day too then when you've gone through this whole thing and spent the whole day together. I can imagine. Not just as photographer client, yeah. but also just kind of as human beings interacting mm-hmm. with one another. Uh, it just sort of builds trust and good vibes so that uh, we, they really just kind of let us sort of, you know, cut loose on the wedding day. That's really great. I mean, and, and I was, um, I did pull up the session that you were talking about of the couple in the MMA gym. Uh, there was another one that I was looking at. Um, there was a couple in, let's see, it was called Rifle Falls. It looks like oh. we're, yeah. <laughs> ice caves. Yeah. Ice yeah. cave. I mean, just like really cool. I mean, you, you talk, you say adventures and again, that word can get thrown around, but literal adventures happening here and then creating this beautiful work. So yeah, when you show up on the wedding day, you're, you're practically like family. They know you so well at that point. Yeah, the Rifle Falls one uh, was uh, definite. Uh, that was yeah. that was a crazy one because Maura and the couple came about twenty feet from death. Oh no! Uh, true <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah, we yeah. were hiking up to uh, this frozen waterfall in a canyon, and uh, Maura was kind of lighting the couple about you know maybe thirty or forty feet away from me, and I they were talking so they couldn't really hear what was going on, but I heard this really loud cracking be the rocks above them letting loose whoa seconds mm-hmm. later there was this massive rock fall that yeah. came down just on the other side of where they're standing and uh yeah going through something like that together definite shared experience was, <laughs> oh, my word yeah. yeah yeah so for better or worse you know it's all <laughs> it's a where it's adventure and we're always kind of just experiencing it together yeah well and despite that you you walked away with some stunning images too and Thank and you. to that end let's just let's get into my last question for you here which is what drives the creativity if if our listeners want to do something different uh, you know i i i like to talk about philosophy and psychology and what ultimately drives us to do what we do because we can we can throw band-aids out there all day long you know this little tip this little technique but bigger ideas that drive our behavior, I think, is a, a more intelligent way to go about it. So are there a few ideas that you can share with our listeners that would encourage this kind of creativity to, to handle portrait session, engagement session, even weddings in a little bit of a different way? Absolutely. Yeah, I would say first and foremost, start shooting for yourself. Hmm. And eventually you will. That sounds a little bit self-serving. <laughs> Speaking of self-serving. <laughs> On the service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but eventually you will attract more like-minded clients and that's going to make your life so much more enjoyable. When we first started, we just kind of felt like uh, hired hands, uh, just sort of there to capture all the trappings of a wedding or the, you know whatever perfect photo is going to fit on sure. the save date. But now I feel like we attract our ideal client and we're a lot more in sync because they've hired us for this very specific style and they have a lot more trust in us uh, to do whatever it is we want to do. 
So it, it feels self-serving a little bit, but at the same time, I think that our clients like it more too. So it's a win-win on both sides. So I would say start shooting for yourself. Okay. Things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, don't worry about what the wedding industry says you should do. Because there are a lot of blogs out there. There's you know magazines. There are TV shows that are going to tell you what wedding photography is supposed to be. But if you don't want to shoot ring ta- ring details, don't shoot ring details, mm. and you'll attract the clients who don't care about you shooting ring de- details. Yeah, and I'd also say don't feel like you have to take every single job that comes uh, to your door. Okay. If a client doesn't sound like a good fit, you can pass. We do this. Not all the time, but every now and then we will, you know, uh, during the the good fit phone call that Maura does with the clients, if they say something like, uh, you know, do you do normal photos too? Or for, <laughs> for our engagement shoot, we just kind of want like some some normal, like some quick ones. Is we that, just is need that 30 cool? minutes. Yeah, exactly. We can't obviously do what we want to do uh, the right way in 30 minutes. So we'll mm. generally just sort of refer them on to someone else whose style meshes better. Uh, if you're just starting out, obviously you need the money to take what comes to you. Um, but if you can afford it, you can, you can be a little bit more discriminating when it comes to uh, which jobs you take and which you don't. Yeah. And when it comes to that referral outward, is there, is there a, like a, a, what's the best way that you found to go about that process where you're not making this potential client feel bad. You're also, you feel comfortable being able to refer them to someone else. What, what does that conversation sound like? That's a good question. And I am glad that we don't have to do it that often. Um, Most of the time, once people get to that good fit phone call, they've seen enough of our website that they should know what's going on. Or after we talk to them, they kind of just know what's happening. But sometimes we'll be really honest. We'll just say, you know, I, I think that what you're looking for, you know, and this is why we delve into the good fit phone call and have that conversation is I really want to know what are the likes, what are the dislikes, what are they most excited about on the wedding day? You know, what, who are they as people and what are their photo priorities? Mm. And if after hearing that, if I had just talked to them and been like, we're not your photographer, then that's more of a personal thing. If I can point to like, this is what you're looking for on your wedding day. And I think this photographer is actually going to serve you better than we would. So we'd suggest that you recommend them or that you look, look into them. That's really great. Okay. So I'm, I'm going back here. I was making some notes as we were talking, um, start shooting for yourself. That's important. I mean, I, I still, and I've mentioned this in the podcast before I think back to a particular instance actually where I took, I have a twin lens Yashica. It's a medium format camera. Of course, everything is fully manual and shooting with that. Um, not only did it encourage creativity for me, but also brought a sense of peace and calm, which is, you know, a little bit different than being on a, I shot weddings for over 10 years and you're shooting thousands of photos and you're just go, 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 go all the time. Um, it's nice to be able to take a step back and really take your time and think about composition and lighting and so forth. So it encourages creativity, encourages you to come up with ideas. I love that. Don't worry about the wedding industry is the next thing I wrote down to um, this idea of, setting aside the the felt need to follow status quo. Um, and I think that sums it up pretty well. I, I love that thought process. Not taking every job. I mean, you, you made this point earlier, which is so important, which is you're, you're displaying the type of work that you want to photograph. And so you're, you're, I think your website probably does a wonderful job of filtering out most of the clients who aren't a good fit. Um, but right. then you take that a step further with that, the good fit phone call. I love that you actually have a name for it, <laughs> Any, but anything else that you want to kind of add to this as we finish up the conversation? Cause this has been, this has been really, it's been a fun conversation. It's certainly been inspiring as well. 
Well, I think also just to build a little bit on that good fit phone call, um, it's something we implemented a few years ago, but that's something, again, that's throughout this whole conversation we've talked about, just getting to know your clients and listen to them without expectations of what they're going to say. Mm. Have an actual conversation with them ahead of your shoot. Too many times, and I will admit that I'm guilty of this too, we think we need to educate our clients and we need to make sure that we hit certain points during our interactions. We have to tell them about our packages. We have to tell them about what's in our contract. And when you do all of this, when you do this so often, it becomes rote and you forget to actually listen to them. So really stepping back and, you know, saying like, I don't have to necessarily answer all of my frequently asked questions for all of my clients. Instead, I want to just have this conversation and find out who are they. And, um, you know, we love it because our clients come back and they appreciate that. They say like, you know, we talked to this other wedding vendor and they just wanted to know our date and our budget. Yeah. And they didn't even ask about who we were. And, you know, that's such a great uh, rule for relationships, too. Um, this is a tendency, again, I speak from personal experience that I've had in the past um, to kind of jump to a conclusion or quickly think about an answer in my head as somebody is saying something without giving them space to just just talk, set the expectations right. aside, mm-hmm. set stereotypes aside, set assumptions aside, set projections aside, and just simply open and listen. And um, that, that can make all the difference in the world, both in personal relationships as well as business relationships. So I think it's a great way to, to end our conversation. Will you, um, one of the two of you, maybe share just one more time where our listeners can find you online, your website, social media, or otherwise? Yeah, uh, Instagram is at j.laplante.photo. Uh, that's L-A-P-L-A-N-T-E. Website is jlaplante.com. Uh, do you mind if we get a shameless plug-in for our workshop? No, here? go for it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I want to come to one now, seriously. This is impressive. Awesome. Please do. Yeah, so uh, we call it the Iconoclasm Workshop, which sort of goes feeds back into that uh, breaking away from the status quo and kind of finding your own voice within the wedding industry. Oh, that's good. Uh, and, and also using terminology that most people probably wouldn't understand. I, I like that, too. <laughs> <laughs> we do discuss yeah. tenebrism. <laughs> right, we do discuss Sure. Uh, yeah. So the next one is sold out. It's in mm-hmm. April, uh, but we have started a wait list for that. Um, in general, somebody cancels the last minute. Uh, so you can go to jlaplante.com slash workshops to jump on that mailing list and mm-hmm. uh, also be the first to know when we announce new workshops in the future. Yeah. And um, we are going to announce uh, some mentoring options later this year. Um, I think we're going to get through our workshop first and we have some travel coming up, but we're looking forward to doing that in the second half of the year. That's great. Well, we'll link to this in the show notes as well. I have the page pulled up in front of me and cool. you know, th- there are a lot of photographers who offer workshops these days. You know, that I, I, in fact, I hear a lot of photographers talking about wanting to get into education. And um, I'm, I'm honestly at, at this stage in the game, because it's happening so much, I mean, kind of to our earlier conversation, you, you hear it and you see it so much these days. Uh, I, I, there's a kind of an internal cringe, uh, at least at times. That is certainly not happening right now as I'm talking to you guys, both just because uh, I, I, I like you. your I like your personalities, but I also I'm, I'm looking at your work and I would want to learn how you go about this, creating these types of images. Um, it's truly impressive. So we'll definitely link to this in the show notes. Uh, if there's anything else that we can do to help promote what you're doing, definitely let us know. But thank you so much for making time for the Boca podcast today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks this a lot, Nathan. Fun. This has been great. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca podcast today. Will you let us know what you think by leaving a review of the podcast in iTunes or maybe in the Apple podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you 
personally with your thoughts about the podcast, maybe suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My direct email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom image editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Just visit photographersedit.com.